0: Okay, good morning, Bishops, Rabbi Krohn. So we are on Kuf Yud Tes, Ahmed Bez. We are at the two dots, about five or six lines from the top. So yesterday we started the new parak, and we started with the Mishnah. The Mishta. fundamentally had two cases in it. The first case was if there is a woman who is married, she does not have children, and her she has a co-wife also with no children, and the co-wife and the husband and the and the husband go traveling away, and then it comes back to her, and they say that the husband died. Um, so the whole question about whether she could remarry or not, whether she has to check for yibum or not, because we don't know if the co-wife um, gave birth or not, we don't know if the co if the co-wife got pregnant or not. Um, so that was fundamentally the first case. And the second case was um, if a woman. Woman's mother in law was also overseas, and therefore, if the mo- the mother in law um, was pregnant or gave birth to a boy, that boy might be a Zika to her because it would be her husband's brother. Um, so, again, the question is whether you concern yourself with that or not, what, even if she leaves when she's pregnant, if you concern yourself or not. And we got at the whole discussion about. Whether the Mishnah follows the opinion of Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir was always the one who would look out for the unlikely scenario, as well as whether you follow the concept of um, majority, uh, majority based upon facts, majority based upon odds, as opposed to the concept of Chazaka. So we went over all that yesterday. So today we're going to continue with um, by the two dots, which is the the, the first case of the Mishnah. So um, so we said that a, a woman. Whose husband and their co-wife went overseas, and then the husband's death was reported. So we say, Lo tina se is yabim. She's not allowed to get married, and she's not allowed to go yibum. She's not allowed to get married because um, if she's a zika, if she has a, if there is a um, someone there that if the if if there's a zika, then she's not allowed to marry somebody else. However. If the co-wife was pregnant or had a boy, then, uh, or had a child, then we wouldn't need to, she would not be, the Zika would not be there at all, and therefore she would not allow to do yibum. and if she did yib, if she had relations with the brother of the um, man, then the woman, Arnon, would be of Kares, not just, not just the man. So, Uli Olam, and and so is she is she forbidden is this like a forever thing um what, when you know we said she's not allowed to get married she's not what to do you but it was out of for so basically the question is and you know rashi elaborates on this the question is just let her do chalitza and then quote you know what why are we like you know make putting her in this limbo state um, the iris, the iris said she has to she's not allowed to get married for three months because of herself. And it's a general rule that when a um, when um, a husband and a wife are no longer married, either because of divorce or because of uh, the death of the husband, that the wife is not allowed to remarry for three months because potentially she could be pregnant from that husband and until it's clarified what the situation is. She's not allowed to get married for three months. The Haverta Tisha, because of the uncertainty about whether... The co-wife is pregnant. She has to wait nine months. The chalit says bimmanasha, Um and then after the nine months, she can she could do chalitza or or and get married regardless of whether or not the the co-wife gave birth or not. So based based upon that, um, you have these waiting periods. So bottom line is that according to this, according to the she would have to wait three months just for herself and nine months because of the co-wife, because then you would see whether the co-wife gave birth or not. And even if after nine months the co-wife didn't give birth, then she can go do her own thing. Rabbi Hanania Omer, Rabbi Chanina Omer, she has to wait three months only because of herself. But because of uncertainty about her co-wife, she has to wait forever. So unless she knows deliberately whether or not the co-wife gave birth, and you know this, this co-wife could be on the other end of the world, and there's no way to know it, she wouldn't be allowed to get married forever until she knew whether she gave birth or not. And the, so the mark goes back to that what we said in the first case of a tahasimarasha. So let her just do chalitza after nine months, and then she can get married, because in theory, um, you know, what's the problem? She did Khalitsa. Um Abaye Avin they both say Gazaira Shemeyevlad Ben Kayama. We're worried about that there will be a child. Um, and if there's a child, Vinimsa Ta Matsricha Cruz Lukahuna. So, if there was a child born during this period of time, then the chalitza was an invalid chalitza, um, and therefore, what what happens? So, if someone is, if a woman does a chalitza, then she's no longer eligible to marry a kohen. That's one of the one of the rules. Um, however, if this, if a child is born, then retroactively, that chalitza was not a chalitza; was not valid. Um, chalitza it w- wouldn't have mattered because because there was an offspring of the husband, chalitza doesn't doesn't it's not applicable. it's a null and void. So therefore you're going to um, somehow you're going to have to make a public declaration that, well you know guess what? We know this person did Khalitsa, but it wasn't really chalitza, and therefore she's allowed to marry a kohen. So you're gonna to have to make this co- this announcement that says she's allowed to make make this uh, she's allowed to marry a kohen. Uh, Maria, so what's the big deal? Just let us make this, you know, let us, we're going to not ever let her get married because there's a possibility that we might have to do this announcement situation. Maria says, We're worried that there are people that were, will only be there when the chalitza is done and will not be aware of this announcement that she's no longer Khalitza, chalitza, the chalitza was null and void. And they'll come to the conclusion that a chalutza, someone who a woman who did Chalitza, is allowed to marry a Kohen. So they'll come up with this incorrect assumption. Um, so the so, Gemara doesn't like this, it's going to challenge it. And tonight we're going to the Mishnah. So, so a, a couple goes overseas, they don't have children. And she comes back and this actually this Mishnah we just learned last week. Right. So you know, there's a chance we might actually remember it. Nithali Ben Sayam, I went overseas and I had a child. For Amra and she said, May my husband, my child died. For Akra bali, and my child died, and then afterwards my husband died. a menace. She's believed. So what is she basically saying? So by saying all this, she's 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 admitting she had a son. She's admitting that the son died, and she's saying that the, that the husband died. So by doing this, she's basically saying, you know, she's being, she's declaring that she is required to be, to Yibum or, or have Zika with the brother of the husband. And the Mishnah there said she's never us so we said, you know, we kind of derived that she could have left out the whole thing and just said, my husband died, and then she wouldn't have had any obligation whatsoever. But because she's able to, she puts all the facts out there. We believe her on all the different points. However, she says, "Mace Bali, my husband died." And then after that, my son died. So she's basically um, saying that she's not, does not have a zika with the brother. So even though she's acknowledging that the husband died, um, she's not believed about this. She's believed that her husband died. But she's not believed about the second aspect, and therefore she still has a um, still has the zika with the brother. But we are um, we're worried about what she had to say, and therefore we we also don't that maybe she's telling the truth, and we also don't allow her to be together with the yavam or to do yibam with the with the brother. And therefore we make her do chalitza and not do yibam. But the question here is, based on what we just said, let's worry about this, that maybe after all this happens, maybe a month later, a couple of witnesses will come back from wherever, and they'll say that, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll specifically testify that everything that she said was accurate. Um, and therefore, that chalitza that was done wasn't an appropriate chalitza, it was invalid. Kahuna, and therefore they're going to have to make an announcement that guess what that chalitza was null and void so we have this situation that would be the exact same thing Amar of Papa, Papa says that what the situation we're talking about here is Begrusha we're talking about a woman who had been divorced previously and therefore is already not, not um, eligible for the kahuna so even if that chalitza is a null and void She's still not she still would not be eligible to marry into the, into the Kahuna. And therefore there wouldn't be a need for this announcement anyway. Or another, another answer is that she says, the woman says that both me and my husband were hiding in a cave when we died. And I am the only one that knows the circumstances of the death. And therefore, there is no chance that a witness is going to come and declare this happening because we were so isolated and alone that there's no, this will never happen. Um, and so, the, so, again, in that instance, is there, so between either of these cases, the Gemara is kind of challenging that, um, that there's a likelihood that even though the cir- circumstances might seem similar, you wouldn't ultimately wind up having to do this announcement that the chalitza was not valid okay fine next mishnah there are there are two um two yavamos who are wives of two brothers and they come back from medina sayan they come back from overseas Zo the first one um the first one sarah says my husband died the second one, Rivka says, my husband died. This one, person A, Sarah, is not allowed to get married because of the husband of the second one, because of Rivka's husband. And Rivka is not allowed to get married because of of Sarah's husband. So we're talking about the wives of two brothers. So because in each case, the wife is believed to say that the husband died, insofar as it applies to her, meaning that she is allowed to be viewed as her husband died, but she can't create a, um, she can't testify appropriately about that a- that applies to the um, to the other wife who who is the wife uh, who is the other wife, wife who's married to the brother. So therefore, although each wife is now Considered with a with a dead husband and were believed that their their husband is dead. We don't believe that the um, Zika the brother As far as they're concerned is dead and therefore they're considered as still being connected to that person So that's not a reliable so the testimony is only believed in terms of the pro, of the primary deliver of the message but it, uh, even though the the Practically, it applies to the other person equally. We don't believe it as applies to the other person. Lazu uh, Aden, Lazu So, Sarah, in addition to her testimony, has witnesses that say that her husband died. The Lazu Aden, but Rivka has no witnesses that testify that her husband died. Es Sheyeshla Aden, the one that has Aden, the one that has witnesses. Is Asura. She is not permit, permitted to marry anybody else. But the one who does not have witnesses is permitted to marry. So this seems strange, but if you think about it, so what this really means, and Rashi elaborates on this, um, what this means is that the, the first person, Sarah, she's believed as far as her own testimony about her own husband. And the addition of the witnesses doesn't add anything to her because we already believe that her husband died as far as her. However, the witnesses about her husband died are actually helping Rivka because they're believed to say that the Zika of Rivka died. So the the person who was married to Sarah, as far as Sarah is concerned, her testimony was enough to declare that her husband died for herself. And, but it was not enough to declare for Rifka that the Zika died but the witnesses are able to declare for Rifka that her brother-in-law died but the one from from, from Rifka's perspective she only has her own testimony her own testimony helps her only but it does but there there are no witnesses that will free Sarah by saying that the husband of Rifka died so the one that has witnesses actually helps the other one, is what this basically says. So one of them has children and one of them does not have children. The one that has children is allowed to remarry. asura. The one that does not have children is not allowed to remarry. So why is this? So um, since the, um, the one that has... Since um, the one that has children, so in this case, what we're talking about is so Rachel. So let's let's. So if you read like notes thirty, thirty one, thirty two, let's let's use those. So Rachel has children with her husband Reuven, but Sarah did not have children with her husband Shimon, and both of them testify about their husband's death. So since Rachel is not, does not for um, because her husband has children so it doesn't matter to her whether her husband whether the, the other, whether the brother is alive so she can marry based upon her own testimony because she, we know that her husband had children because they're her children the other one because she does not have children so therefore she is you know it's the same as the original case that the, the testimony of the other co-wife doesn't free her from being bound to the brother who is dead. Um, however now let's say there are other brothers on the scene so let's say in addition to the brothers who died there are two other brothers Nisyabmu. so let's say these two brothers wives did Yibam with the other brothers so you have Sarah and Rivka that were married to Avraham and Yitzchak. Avraham and Yitzchak both died, but then there's also Yaakov and Moshe. So they went and they did Yibum with Yaakov and with Moshe. And then Yaakov and Moshe also died and did not have children. So they're not allowed to, um, to marry again. Um, because it goes back to the original problem, right? So the original, so this goes on the first case. So the original, In the first case, there's no children on the scene. Um, they basically revert to the situation where there's this, there's, each of them has a brother, each of them has a potential brother whose status is unclear as far as they're concerned. So Sara, back to our original case, Sarah's original husband, although she testified that he died, that does not help Rivka. And Rivka, although her husband ultimately died, that does not help Sarah. They went off and they married these other two people who were other Yevamim, but they died, and therefore still, there's, a, there's still a Zika, and that Zika for those original husbands still exists. Um, Rabbi, Eleazar, he, Rabbi Eleazar, he disagrees, He will he he Adam once we allowed them to marry these other two brothers, they're allowed to marry other people. Um, because in essence, that once we, once we did this, once we allowed them to remarry, then we believed in essence the testimony of, of Sarah and Rifka that those two husbands died. And therefore we take that fact and we say, if we allowed it, that if we believe them enough to say their husbands died, to allow them to marry the other two brothers, once we did that, then we, the, basically it's as if the Besdin has certified that the other two brothers have died. And therefore, for both, Acquainter of Eleazar, for both of these women, all the potential um, husbands, all the potential Yavamim have been certified as being um, as being dead. Okay, on onto the Gemara. Tana. This one has Edim, that talk about her husband died and she has children from her husband. She has both Edim and children. The Lazu, Lo Edim. The Lo Banim. And the second one, neither has witnesses or has children. Mutaros. Um, both of them are allowed to get married. So the first one is doesn't have to do Yibam because she had children. And their second one doesn't have have to do Yibam because there were witnesses about the first one, right? So they, they both are able to remarry because they're, for the first one, she had children. The second one, there were witnesses about the first one. So they're both they're both allowed to get married. Um, so this the, 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 this is talking about the last part of our Mishnah. So if this is where they married, Yaakov and they did Yibam with the third and fourth brother Yaakov and Moshe So if they did Yibam with the surviving brothers and they died the first opinion was that they Should not they are should not be allowed to marry. However, Rabbi Eleazar Once we allowed them to be Yivamim, they're allowed it to all the people. So what does what Rabbi Eleazar mean? By Rava, Rava asked my time in the Rabbi Lezir, what is his reason for allowing that? Bishum de Kasavar, Sara Is it because like we learned last week and the week before, this whole concept of we're concerned that uh, that the co-wives are out to get each other and therefore their testimony about uh, that applies to each other doesn't is not believed. So maybe do we say Bishum de Kasavar, Sara do we say that Rabbi Lezar holds we don't worry about it, and therefore we would allow each one to testify as applies to each other. Odilma, or is, the, is his reasoning, because even though she doesn't like her sister-in-law, um, she's not, or sister-wife, she's not going to mess herself over just to mess up the other one. So, what is his reason? Is it because we believe her, or is it because we we think that she's not? He's not going to mess herself over just to hurt the other one. What's the difference between these two things? Why, you know, what's the practical difference? So the difference is a case where um, a, where a man has two wives and goes over, goes to Medina Sayyam with one of them, and then she came back and testifies that he dies. Um, that's that's the case. So the difference is whether we let the co-wife who stayed behind marry prior to the one who came back and testified. So again, you have uh, two co-wives. One goes overseas with the husband, one stays back. The one that go- went overseas came back and said, guess what, he died. So, e if you say the Rav reason is that we believe that the tsara can testify about her co-wife and we trust her. Um Gav, even though the one the one that is testifying has not yet gotten remarried, Masvina la Sara. We allow the co-wife to marry first based strictly on her testimony. Ia Martin the Hilo Makakalonavsha, if you say that the reason is that the woman wouldn't mess herself up to, to, to mess up her co-wife, Insiv. Um, um, then, if the one who testified um, got married first, we let her. We let the co-wife get married first. But if she didn't get married, we don't let her co-wife marry. So it's kind of like, in the you know, in the cartoons, it's like there's two drinks. It's like if she drinks, if she drinks, we know that she. There's no poison in the drink. So if she went first and she got married. Then, um, then we know that she's not going to. She must be telling the truth, because otherwise, she's really messing herself over. But if she didn't do that, if she didn't go first, then we didn't believe her. So, so bottom line is that that the two the two views is if if, if we hold the view is that we trust her to talk about the co-wife, then we it doesn't matter who gets married first. If the if the if the calculation is about whether that the the woman wouldn't be wouldn't mess herself up just to mess up the other wife, then if, as long as she goes first, you know, then we, we allow it. If not, not. So with this, we'll conclude, and we'll pick up again next week with Daf Kuf Chaf. Have a wonderful day.